Confessions of a Crappy Christian is powered by the Converge Podcast Network. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. I'm your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake Guichet, and I'm so pumped to be bringing you season two of this show, packed full of more people telling incredible stories of who God is and what he's done. Today's episode is with author and podcaster Emily P. Freeman, and we're talking about her writer's community, Hope Writers, the ins and outs of the writing process, and the truth that creativity never runs out. Emily, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Are you kidding? I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So we were chatting before we started recording. I just recently joined Hope Writers, which is your incredible community for people to get into the book and the writing process. But before we jump into all of that, I would love to give you the opportunity to kind of introduce yourself to the listeners. I would love to do that. Well, I currently, my main job really is a combination of both Hope Writers um, and I host a podcast called The Next Right Thing. Um, so this is very familiar. I love sitting you know, behind a microphone, but the fun part is, well, not the fun part. The not fun part is my podcast does not have guests. And so mm-hmm. usually I'm just kind of in a room by myself. So I really enjoy when I get to talk with other podcast hosts who are kind of like doing the work. Um, but this is, so the Next Right Thing podcast is is a big part of my work, but it also has a book. Uh, the Next Right Thing book is my fifth. And um, my first book came out way back in 2011. I can't even believe it. And I was a little loopy crazy um, <laughs> because I had a book come out in 2011, 12, and 13, three years in a row. I was wow. a newbie. I didn't know. Right. I didn't know. <laughs> um, and then I got a little bit wise and waited a year. And then 2015, um, my fourth book came out and then I got roll wise and I waited four years. <laughs> so that is kind of the book history, but I live in North Carolina. My husband and I have been married uh, 19 years. We have three kids. We have twin girls who are 16 and our son is 13. So it is a full house and yeah, um, yeah we're enjoying this season of life really a lot. That's awesome. So I have to ask because my best friend is a huge Disney person. How did you feel about the title of your book being sung in Frozen 2? Well, it's such a great question because, listen, I didn't know anything about it. And this was like maybe three or four months before the movie released. I got a DM in my Instagram from someone like, do you know Kristen Bell? And I was like, no, I do not. They were like, well, she is singing a, a, a song called The Next Right Thing. And they only had released like just those words. You know how she's oh. the next right thing. Like you couldn't right. hear the whole song yet. It was just like a little teaser on YouTube. And so I didn't know really what any of the context was. None of us did. So I watched that and it was so exciting. Um, but then all, then the messages started rolling in over the next few months. Like, And, and it was so cute because everybody thinks they're, they were the first person to tell me that there's right. a new song in Disney <laughs> called The Next Right Thing. <laughs> they were like, I don't know if you've heard 
you know, right. it's like January, the movie's been out for a month. Um, but I'll tell you, you asked me how I felt about it. And I'll tell you at first, um, it's always, it's always like, you want to hear the origin, like, oh, well, we're, where do they, you know, what's their story about the next thing? Cause here I'll be the first to tell you, usually it's in my podcast intro. I did not come up with the phrase, right. just do the next right thing. Right. Right. <laughs> but some people think I did, which I, you know, I'm grateful for that, but, um, it's been around for many, many years. I have simply taken it and applied it. Um, but I will say one thing that I love about, first of all, that phrase is that it is such a relief. It's so approachable and it kind of brings us into this moment and helps us make decisions with some clarity because we don't have to make all the decisions. Mm -hmm. We just have to do the next right thing. Um, but what I love about it is that now there's this whole generation of small people who this phrase is part of their history. Now it's part of who they are. It's going to be very familiar to them in the same way that the phrase, this phrase was very familiar to, for example, those in the recovery community for right. so many years and still is. Um, I know Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King Jr., Anne Lamott, uh, so many greats really have used that phrase. And now it's like, okay, Princess Anna, you know, like we've got yes. a whole new group of people. Um, and by the way, P.S., we don't have time to get into it now, but if you're ever interested, Google um, the, 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 the husband and wife who wrote that song. Oh yeah. They're on a few podcasts and talk about it. And it's a really lovely story about what their inspiration was behind that song and why that song and kind of how they watched, um, a friend go through some grief and really do the next right thing. And that was really the inspiration for that, that, that whole piece. So I yeah, love that. I love it. And I love that your attitude is, I did not, I did not coin the next right thing. Coin. I did not coin <laughs> it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love that. And I, I love, because I've read, I read the next right thing back when it came out and when and we're watching Frozen 2 and you, and me, I was like, Emily Bree Freeman, like she has to be loving this. So I love getting the opportunity to ask you. And I love that your heart is, look, a whole nother generation Absolutely. is being taught next right step, next right thing. That's I right. That and, so much. and you know, that's, that is a, I don't know that I would have felt that way 15 years ago, 10, 10 years ago when I first started. Cause when you first get started and you're creating something, it all feels mm. so delicate. Right. Mm -hmm. And you think that if you share something, it feels uh, like a pond that if you use too much of the water, it's just going to run out and empty. But in fact, as you, the more you create, the more you realize, Oh, this is a, this is an ever filling well, this is a flowing river and we get to stand in the river and, and be a part of it. But we did not come up with the river. The river doesn't start or end with us. And what a gift that we can lean on one another as creatives and learn from one another um, and kind of, you know, take things that have meant so much to us and then share them and expand upon them and recreate. I love, I love the whole process. It's, and it's also much more freeing to, Amen. work that way with an open hand right amen that there there's nothing new under the sun that content stealing and copying absolutely exists right. yes 100 yes. but by and large it we are all inspired and learning and like you said we did not come up with the river we are drinking from it i love that which brings us perfectly into talking about hope writers because you have basically this community of writers who are all kind of, I think, largely heading towards the same thing, right? Published, having their work published. So let's back up a little bit and talk about how Hope Writers came to be. 
It's so interesting. That's such a great question. And it's one that I think we often like to hear like how things that we know about or things that we're learning about kind of what was the origin story where to get started and i always assume that everybody else's thing that they started had this grand plan and they followed this business model and it was like yes, this was always what was <laughs> it's never like that never, never. It's never <laughs> like that um and same and and i am the same way I, I, this was one of those things that started out back in really, if you want to really know the story, it started back in 2014 with an idea. My sister and my dad and I had to team up together, link arms and offer this tiny little membership community that we called Hopeology that we offered kind of our own. Like I offered just some writing, like to encourage people in their faith. And my sister wrote to encourage people in their home. And then dad wrote about family and we kind of brought it together and we called it Hopeology. And it was very low dollar membership just to kind of have another stream of revenue for us as a family, but also to do something together. And it was, it was fun and it remained fun for about a year. And then after a year, it became like, well, I think I've said everything I want to say here. Maybe we'll just move on. It was maybe a year and a half. And that's when we met our friend Brian Dixon. And Brian was like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Before you move on, um, Brian Dixon's very business savvy. He thinks marketing. Golly. I've learned so much from him. He's he's a dear friend of mine now. At that time, he's he was actually a stranger. been on the show as well. Okay, so you know Brian. Yeah. Yes. So at that time, he was a stranger. And I'm like, what do you mean? What are you saying, sir? Um, <laughs> but basically, he encouraged us to just to do a survey of our of our members, of our current Hopeology members, just, you know. And so we did. And what we learned from that survey, and this is a tip for anyone who has, who's doing anything on the internet, man, if you want to know something, just ask your people ask and your they people. will tell you. Yes. <laughs> and they did. And we learned from that, that over, I think it was over 50%. It might've been a higher percentage. I can't remember, but one over 50% of the women is mostly women who were part of our membership community wanted to write and they mm -hmm. wished that they had more resources to learn to write. And what I haven't told you is at that time, I was also really struggling in my own online writing life because I loved talking with writers about writing. And I was speaking at writing conferences and workshops and wanting to do that more, but it's not scalable. Like I can only be at a workshop once a month, right? right. I mean, I'm just, I had little kids at the time and, and even now I don't love to travel. So the point was that I would get all these emails and I would try to answer them. Then I tried to write about it on my blog, but my blog readers, some of them were interested, but most of them were not. And so I had this, I had a, I had a message problem that where I didn't have a place to share it. And then my, my members of Hopeology had a, something they wanted to learn, but didn't know where to. So then it all kind of the stars aligned and we were like, Brian was like, why don't we pivot? Which is a word we have embraced to the <laughs> yes. full. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Always pivoting. Um, but why don't we pivot and and we'll definitely lose some members because not everybody in this group is writers, but how about we really decide to serve these people with something that you already wish you had a place to do it? So that's how it started. And oh. it really was in the fall of 2015. We started by just interviewing some of our friends and saying, hey, we're all at this conference together. We've got a camera, we've got some lights. It was very low tech, um, but we just sat down with some of our writer friends, a few editors who were at that conference and just videotaped it. And yeah. videotape, is that is that what they say? It's not sure. really tape anymore. Yeah, but, no, it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> we filmed, we filmed. filmed it. Right yes. Um, and that's how it started. And we just, and now it has grown. It's been almost five years now. It's grown into this very vibrant, uh, warm, we call it one of the kindest place on the internet for writers to make progress. And it's all about helping writers um, kind of balance both the art of writing with the business of publishing. Oftentimes yes. I think with training, you find 
either a training that's really focused on the craft, which we love and need, or you find training that's really focused on the marketing and the selling and the business, which we also need. But we at Hope Writers really like to marry those two things together mm -hmm. and help writers understand that if they want to be published, uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean traditional book published, although mostly it does, but publishing is also publishing a blog post that you exactly. actually want people to read. Right. <laughs> if you want people to read your words, you have to understand that this is an art and a business. And yes. so that's what we gently, kindly, uh, supportively do for our members. Well, I have to say, I've only been in Hope Writers for three weeks at this point, and I could sing the praises for the rest of this podcast episode, but I won't. But it is genuinely the nicest Facebook situation I have ever encountered. Like, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. It's a Facebook situation in a good I way. I mean, every, everything is a, I feel like everything's a Facebook situation, but the, it's so kind. People are cheering each other on. But it's exactly what you said about the craft and the business. I love to write. I've been writing since I could. I had a live journal and, you know, the, all of those. Did you have Zanga? I had a Zanga. I couldn't think of the name of it. All of those things. I've been writing since I was little. But I am a baby giraffe when it comes to publishing. I mean, I know. I'm just stumbling around. I know nothing. And have learned a ton about about writing and, and the, the art and the craft of that. And so that that fusion together of those two worlds is done so well within Hope Writers. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network. And now a message from a network supporter. Okay, so you know how I'm a huge fan of counseling, right? Well, I recently started working with a counselor at Faithful Counseling, and I knew I had to tell you about it. Faithful Counseling is an online Christian counseling network, and it's an incredible solution for people looking to find the help they need. I found the sign-up process to be really straightforward. You answer some questions, and you get matched with a counselor all within 24 hours. After that, you can log into your account at any time and message your counselor, plus scheduling weekly video or phone sessions. The extra bonus is that I found it to be really affordable, and they've extended a discount of 10% off of your first month. All you have to do is head to getfaithful.com slash crappy Christian to join the other 500,000 people, myself included, who are taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Head to getfaithful.com slash crappy Christian for 10% off your first month and to get started. Okay, so you have written five books. Is it even possible for you to say what the hardest part of writing for you is? That's a fantastic question. And I can answer it. But if you ask me again tomorrow, it might change. Right, absolutely. But I can tell you, especially when I first started out, um, what I didn't understand when I first started was some of what you just said, which is uh, getting the book contract, writing the book, all of that whole part. Once all that stuff is finished, you are halfway done. And I think we have this idea that writing the book is the thing mm -hmm. when in fact it is just the first step. Mm -hmm. And you're, if you enter into a business contract with a publisher, for example, if we're talking traditional publishing, um, your job really is not to write a book. It is a book is the, is the method, but your job is to serve the publisher's customer, which is the mm -hmm. reader. 
Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand that going in, um, then you will not sell books <laughs> and a publisher wants you to sell books. Um, and so, and I know that can break our hearts in some ways because especially as creatives. And I think that was mm. for me starting out, that was one of the hardest parts was fine. And it took years. I'm telling you, it took years for me to understand like, oh, my job. Yes. It's to write a fantastic book, but, but to serve the purpose of Yes. Reaching the reader, connecting with the reader. And that was something that, um, that it's like you, I had to learn that, but I don't know that anybody ever really told me that. And once I uncovered that, what I actually discovered to my great delight was I did really kind of enjoy the marketing and sharing side of it Mm -hmm. because it becomes a creative game a little bit, if you're willing to see it that way. Yeah. Um, But if you like, you know, I've heard myself say like, well, I'm just not a math person. If you decide I'm not a marketing person, then you have this mental block that makes it really difficult for you to learn how to be a marketing person in your own way. And I think what we do is we look at other people who do it ways that we don't like. And we Mm. say, well, I'm not like that. And we call that marketing when in fact, that's just, we just don't like that. Their form of it. Right. Yeah. That's their version of it. And it works. Maybe, maybe it doesn't work for them, but we don't have to be that. We get to be ourselves and what a gift and a kind of a fun challenge. If you're weird like me, um, to discover what is my way and how can I try some, yes, know the strategies and try some, but also kind of bring my own creativity to the table for the purpose of connecting with my reader. It always comes back to that. And that was, I think that was the most challenging thing for me to learn. And honestly, it took me a few books, honestly, to learn that, um, to really kind of see like, oh, here's how this works. And I, I'm here for it. And honestly, some people, you said that you're getting started and you feel like a baby giraffe when it comes to the, the publishing side. And let me tell you, there are authors who do this for a living, who I think the same can be said for them. I, I think yeah. there's a lot of authors who haven't learned the business of publishing mm. or how to make friends with it. I do know a lot of authors who shake their fists at it yeah. and they, they are angry that we have to be a part of publish marketing and we think the publisher should do all that work. Those days are over. We are not <laughs> like Walt Whitman. It's not <laughs> happening. We have the internet now right. and what right. a gift that we do because um, yeah. we can connect directly with that reader. But I think that's a hard mindset to mindset shift to make if you're someone who doesn't understand that part yet. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I wonder I wonder if that kind of open-handed, willing to be flexible and serve the reader, I feel like that probably applies to the writing part too. Because I've the, yes. the most feedback that I've gotten, my book proposal is about three-fourths of the way done. And my I have friends who have been traditionally published, which is the route that I'm planning to t- planning very loose word use there to take. And all of the feedback that I've gotten is you need to be really open-handed with your words, with your subject matter. Like you need to be willing to pivot or be flexible. And there is a part of me that at first was like, uh, no, this is my book. I'm going to write about what I want to write, which I think that there's a degree of that that you have to hold on to. But the more I've thought about it and prayed about it, like, yeah, I do. I do want my book to serve people and the publisher the best that it can. So uh, do you agree? Like, does there have to be a degree of flexibility on that end of it as well? 
You said it well, because you're right. There isn't a side of, of you as a writer, as, of all of us as writers who have an ownership over our words as we well should. Um, but there's also a part of being kind of like holding on, but also remaining open. Mm -hmm. And there's a fine line. Sometimes I would, I would encourage authors to have more ownership because they think like, well, I'm new and I don't really know how this works. So I'm going to surrender, mm. kind of surrender myself at the mercy of the editor, the publisher, the marketer, the whatever. Um, and hopefully if you're partnered with a trustworthy team, that will work out okay for you and you can right. learn as you go. But I also think this is one thing that surprised me the most when I got my first book contract. First of all, when I got my first book contract, I was like, oh, they are paying me cash money to write a book. And <laughs> I don't I don't know how to write a book. I've never written a book. I've written right. a proposal. I could do that again. Do you want me to write another book proposal? Because I just learned how to do that in the last six months because right. I taught myself. Yeah. But if you want me to write a book, I'm going to have to, I'm going to need some time. And also I could do it, but I don't know if I'm doing it right. That's the other well, part of, you know, yeah. like what, what is this life? What is this life that they pay us money before they know if we can do the job? That is mm. publishing. Welcome. Yep. <laughs> so it's it's very it's kind of um it's kind of can t make your mind a little bit crazy um but I remember so I worked on the book and I did the whole thing and I turned it in and I remember I sent my editor a note with my manuscript and I said something like you know I really I I was about the version of the Bible that I wanted to use oh. and I was like giving a I gave like a a reasoning why I was using this particular version because I mean, I got very theological with it like this, you know, the word they use for the word flesh in, in the, in the actual, you know, Greek language is this. And I think that this interpretation does it, you know, all the things. And I gave her this whole thinking that I was going to need to defend that. And she wrote me back. She was like, Oh, Emily, that that's your choice. Like you, oh. we defer to you, whatever, whatever version you as the author want to use, that's, that's you. And I remember yeah. thinking like, Oh, you mean I have agency here? Mm. I can decide some things for this work. And that was a, the first of many realizations. Now, I can't speak for every publisher. Maybe that's not the case. But that's just an, an example of recognizing that we get to show up to the table with clear ideas, mm -hmm. owning our work, fighting for our reader, um, because we care more than anybody else at that table. Yes. But with the understanding that we're all on the same team and they have published way more books than I have. And so I can come and speak what I need to speak in kindness and with generosity and with a collaborative spirit. But also, like you said, keeping an open hand when someone has a better idea, which yeah. often happens. Right. Have you ever had to like go to bat for something where they wanted to change it and it was really important to you? Um, not as much in the the text, not as much in the content, more in um, book covers. Oh. That's where that book covering is where I I most have have kind of put my big girl pants on yeah. and really tried to be a team player, but also like speak my mind. I think I saw was it mil million little things. I think million I saw ways, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a million little it's ways. Okay. Where ABC messed us up because they have a show called Million Little Things, and so it's very confusing. Well, yeah. and next right thing, next right thing, million yeah, I know. little <laughs> steps. Yes, but million little what? I think I I read, maybe it was the in progression you did progression. in Hope Writers. Yes, uh -huh. of I think that's the like timeline. It's the book publishing timeline uh -huh. where you talk about book covers, and you were like, yes. nope, nope. Yes. 
Nope. Yes. <laughs> that post, there's a, so, so she, you're talking about a post inside of Hope Writers. There's a, there's an article that I wrote that like took me 25, 11 years to write. It's so long. It's the longest, but it goes through <laughs> the entire so publishing though. process, right? It's From so like good. idea to finished on the bookshelves marketing. Um, but I use the example of a million little ways in that. And it goes from like book cover number one, all the way through every iteration of the book, the book, the covers of a million little ways, which I always love it when authors do that. Cause you're like, Oh, it didn't start out looking like that. And here's why. And here's what happened. I always think it's fascinating. Right. I love that. So I have to ask, what is it like coming from a legacy of writers? Like having a family of authors. That's funny. Tell me, you mean like my personal family? Yes. Yeah. Because your father's a writer and your sister are both yes. prolific authors. They are. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, um, I was the first one to publish a book. Oh. Um, and that was in 2011. And is that right? Yes, that's 2011. And I remember first, first thing I'll tell you is the very first book I wrote, I thought that would be the only book I ever wrote because I only mm -hmm. had one idea. And yeah. I was like, this is it. This is my one idea. Going back to the river. You share, you create, Amen. you write, and more comes. It's just the way it is. But I, at that time, didn't know that. And I had one book idea. And I remember talking to dad about it. And he was like, he said something very, I think the fact that he said it casually made it mean even more because he said, oh, well, this will just be one of many books you write. And then he kind of went blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I remember exactly where I was. I was standing next to my closet on the phone. Like I remember him saying that and it blew my mind because I was like, he's crazy. I'm never going <laughs> to have this one. This is one book. I'm a one, one book author. Yeah. Like that's all I've got. And, um, but he was right. And so I think that, I think coming from a family who believes in you Amen. is, um, that is a privilege and a gift that I will never get over because oh. I just, the older I get, the more I see that's not always, and often is not the case for most people. Yeah, um, absolutely. So the fact that I, so the fact that that's true, I think that's, that's huge. Number one, but number two, um, once I got started in this, I'll call it this business of writing yeah, books. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, it, 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 a couple years later, my sister wrote a book, but see, she, it's funny. Cause she started a blog. Mm -hmm. I, I had a blog maybe two years before she did that nobody read. And then she started a blog that everybody read. Uh -huh. <laughs> I got yeah. some of her, like, I got some of her like leftover readers. They would like trickle over to my blog. And yeah. I think that's how people started to find me. Cause I was like, I was my Quillen's sister and it was so great, which I'm the little sister. So I've been her sister the whole, my whole life. Like, right. Totally it's totally normal to me. It's like, I yeah. love it. Um, so she, her book, her first book came out, I think in 2014 and then dad's book came out maybe in 2016. Oh, so wow. it really did. And, and here's the thing. She would never have called herself a writer. And I don't think dad would have either. I think yeah. my sister still sees writing as a necessary evil to the thing she actually wants to do, which is help women in their homes and right. decorating writing. I'm as a way about to read her book. <laughs> her new it's book. so good. And the thing yeah. is, is she's so good at it. Cause it's like, you don't even love the writing part of it and you're so good, at, good it. at it. That's just right. <laughs> um, I think I will say, I think she's working on her, her third book is coming out this fall. And, um, is that right? Yeah. Third book. And I think she's starting to enjoy the process more, but didn't start out that way. Um, and then dad, I think dad's been a writer all his life, but none of us knew it. Amen. And finally he had a book come out and he, he's the poster child for it's never too late Amen. because he was 66 when his first book came out. Yes. And, um, 
And, and it's such, it's, it's so great. It's all about family, but in a way he had to live his whole life before that book was ready to be born. So absolutely. I love what you said about the gift that it is that your family believes in you. I'm sure it's an extra gift that y'all get to do it together in a sense. And there's that camaraderie, but it is such a blessing to have a dad that says, oh yeah, this is just, this is the first of many. Right. Right. To, to believe it so much that it's not even like it's nonchalant in a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. They just slip that in. Totally chill. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, whoa wait. What did you, we got to back up. That? Right. Write that down. What's today's date? <laughs> exactly. Time stamp that. I love it. But the thing I will say, and, and I will say this about that, which is, um, I think that's one reason why Hope Writers is such a, is such a, um, a kind place for people. It's because I think we collect writers who don't have that in their lives. They don't have mm. a dad who has believed in them their whole lives. They don't have a mom who is speaking up on their behalf. They don't, they might. In fact, we have a lot of, of, of hope writers who have spent their whole year hiding the fact that they even write at all from their family and friends Yes, and they're hope writers and nobody knows. Yes. And so the, I think that's the beauty of that community of among many beauties. Um, but dad is the director of community in, hope writers and so he we kind of call him like he's like the dad of the internet you know for those of us who need that encouraging voice he's there and so I think that's been one of the other reasons why it's kind of a kind place is not everybody has that but but now you can with this online community and you do I mean there have been questions that I've asked or questions that I've answered and I I love that we keep going back to the the analogy of the river that I have yet to, and granted, it's only been three weeks, but I've yet to encounter even the smallest sense of competition. Everyone genuinely wants to see everybody get their book published. Everybody wants to see everyone get as far as they can. That is unprecedented. And so y'all have done an incredible job of, of, creating and cultivating that community in that sense. I'm so, gl- I'm so glad you sense that because that is a huge core value of ours. Um, and that's not to say that people don't have feelings on the inside that we have to deal with. Right. But it is to say that that is not the culture of what comes out. I think exactly. we learn to, um, because that's the thing, right, is we're going to have those feelings out in the regular world as a writer, no matter what. And so to be a part of a community that, Yes, recognizes that that might be there, but doesn't always have to act on it. Right. Um, and definitely doesn't publicly, you know, slam other writers. Like we are for each other and we do not tolerate in our community at all um, that kind of anything, which we've never seen it. I mean, I say that like, it's not like we're constantly deleting Facebook posts. I mean, right. I've never seen that really happening, but I think it does attract just really kind humans. Um, Absolutely. To the, no, I completely no, agree. To the Facebook community. Yeah. Well, we're running out of time. I feel like I could just talk to you for the rest of the morning, but we close our episodes with three rapid fire questions. Ooh. So they're super fun and easy. Uh, the first one is what is your Enneagram type? Oh, this, this question, this is a controversial question. I know. Um, Well, the title of the podcast is confessions of a crappy Christian. So (laughs) I will confess I am a Enneagram four. Oh, I love four so much. I'm an eight, so we could not be more different, and I love it so much. Listen, I secretly love um, women who are eights. I always have. Yeah. 
I've always well, like really gotten along with eight female eights that I've known. And yes. it, yeah. Yeah. Well done. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Same. You're welcome. Uh, the second <laughs> one is how do you take your coffee? I mean, with almond milk creamer. Mm. Which because one? It's got, it's got, it's, uh, I don't remember the brand. I just know uh, what it looks like. Yeah. It's got a purple label. Oh, wait. That does not help you. Shoot, but I know it, and now I can't. I do. I see their branding then is right on. Nature or something? Natural? It might something? be. It might, yes. Yeah. It has the word natural in it. Mm-hmm. Or nature, something mm-hmm. with an N. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it basically is the color of, you know, it's it's a very nice tan color when yes. the coffee's mixed in with it. Yes. <laughs> Same. No black, not black. No. I've had an exorbitant amount of people recently answer the question with black coffee, and I'm like, Okay. <laughs> I just don't speak that language. But no, I mean, me maybe that's what, maybe when I become a real grown up, that's what I'll maybe drink. that's I don't what know. it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the last one is, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, well, it's funny. Um, well, I, w- I, I wish I could fly. I don't want to be able to read people's minds because that would no. devastate me. No. Um, I don't want to be invisible because same thing. That's kind of creepy. It's kind of weird. But- but to fly. Yes. But my friend Natalie, I'll never forget in college, she said she always wished that she could, um, f- she could, what's that? Teleport. With teleport. Task. She said, I want, I want teleportation with task completion, which means she Ooh. could teleport herself from her sofa to her bed, but she will have completed the task of washing her face and brushing her teeth. It's like kind of magic. time travel. Kind of. Yeah. Time kind travel. Like time travel. Yeah. Teleportation. With the fusion. asterisk next to it. Yeah. With some details. <laughs> I'm here for that. I'm here for that. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much for taking the time to share your heart for writers and for Hope Writers specifically and your story. I know that even if people aren't on the writing publishing path that this is going to land with them super well. So I'm so thankful. Oh, good. Thank you so much for having me. Can you tell people where to find and follow you and also where to find Hope Writers? Yes, you can find me online everywhere at emilypfreeman.com, emilypfreeman on Instagram. That's mainly where I hang out is Instagram. And then Hope Writers. I know we talked a lot about the Facebook community, but that's just one aspect of Oh my gosh, just one tiny aspect. So Not even tiny, but... It's tiny. It's huge, but it's just not the main thing. Right. We have a an extensive, robust library um, of articles, of mo- a lot of video conversations with over ninety over ninety um, professionals in the industry, writers, authors, agents, you know, editors. Yes. Um, but you can find out all about that at hopewriters.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week. is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, Yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. 
for fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. No, it's from Geico because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico, fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more.